You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome in, folks, here on Big Blue Views audio lineup and YouTube channel. I am Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Fum and Nick Filato for our Week 7 preview for the Giants matchup against the Carolina Panthers. Giants currently sitting at a record of 1-5, looking to bounce back after what we deemed a, a pretty disheartening loss against the Los Angeles Rams. And this game, I think, could go in a, a number of different directions, and we're, we're going to unpack a lot of that stuff here, familiarizing you with their offense, their defense. But I, I think that the, the way I'd like to open this discussion is is that point that, that this game could really go in two completely different directions. This Panthers team has not really done well outside of the really weak opponents that they've played, but at the same time, this could be an opportunity for the for the Panthers to get right, get back on track after that 3-0 start. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, right now the Giants are one of those weak opponents. Yeah, they especially their defense is kind of letting opposing quarterbacks have their way with them and that is where sam darnold has you know excelled not even just excelled and it's not even just quarterbacks it's also scheme man like after re-watching the the all 22 and the broadcast film of that rams game dude it was just so evident that sean mcveigh was doing whatever he wanted against Patrick Graham. Patrick Graham didn't have an answer, whether it was zone match, whether it was man coverage, there were always plays built into Sean McVay's playbook. And Matt Stafford knew where to go with the football. Now, Sam Darnold is not Matt Stafford. And I actually think this is a very winnable game. And that shouldn't come as a surprise, but the state of the Giants right now, it kind of comes off as a surprise, right? <laughs> because the Giants have been so abysmal. But Carolina, they started 3-0 against three you know teams that, are lackluster and now they lost three straight against some quality teams the Giants are not a quality team but they are at home and I think if the Giants do win this football game which I do believe is possible somehow despite the fact that their offense is terrible it has to be on the back of the defense and they have to force turnovers from Sam Darnold we heard Matt Rule earlier this week say we have to commit to the run so I expect a ton of Chuba Hubbard who hasn't been overly efficient but at the same time, with that offensive line, he averages 3.9 yards per carry. I think we can all agree that's not great. It's the same yards per carry that Christian McCaffrey averaged through three games as well. Right. That's the the point that I, I, I was trying to get at there is exactly what you said, Nick, which is everyone is just going to overlook this game as, a, as another win for the for the Panthers to get back on track and for them to bounce back. But if, if you look at this matchup on paper and, and if the Giants are going to steal a win, throughout the, the the rest of the course of their schedule, this is going to be one of those games where they can steal a win against a, a team that might be looking past the Giants. And you already started to dive deep into how the Giants' defense needs to play really well in this game. They need to have a recovery game 
after a really messy performance last week where they were just outmatched, they were outcoached. There were a lot of different things that happened because of Sean McVay's uh, coaching prowess and his, and his intelligence as a play caller. But here they are going against uh, an offense that has not really been very consistent this year. Sam Darnold, the first three games, everybody's talking about how this is the comeback kid. This is a guy who now he's in a good circumstance and he's going to have a really good year. And I think he was leading the NFL in rushing touchdowns or something like that at one point. And of course, now he plays some better defenses, some better coach teams. And he starts turning the football over. We start to see some of that old Sam Darnold. You're talking about how there's no Christian McCaffrey, but Chuba Hubbard is still producing at a, a quality enough rate that their offense is just moving and, and they're staying on schedule with their, uh, you know, with their production. But this is a game where they could really, really lock down that Panthers offense if, if, if they're effective. Now, Chris, uh, I wanted to ask you something. I'm sorry if I cut you off there, bro. But yeah, uh, Joe Brady. All right, Joe Brady is a great offensive mind, and we've seen plenty of great offensive minds just absolutely take advantage of what Patrick Ram wants to do. Do you think Joe Brady has it? Uh, Joe, Br- the combination of Joe Brady and Sam Darnold will be able to replicate something similar to what you know Scott Turner was able to do against the Giants defense, what Sean McVay did last week, and you could just kind of go through all the offensive coordinators who found their way and had their way with the Giants defense. You know, I think they're going to try. I'm not sure if they've got the if they've got the guys to get it done, you know, they don't have a Cooper cup. They don't have a Robert Woods. Yeah. DJ Moore. He is a good player. He has been productive, reasonably reliable this year. Uh, Robbie Anderson is, he is having himself a bad year. Uh, He's dropping the ball. Like he really never has before. Robbie Anderson has not played well. He's, you know, He's only catching 37.5% of his passes down from you know, 69.9 a year ago. So, you know, maybe the chemistry with between him and Darnold just isn't there. But, you know, but maybe they can scheme something up with DJ Moore. Uh, I'm interested to see how they use Tommy Tremble because I liked him coming out of Notre Dame. You know, I thought he could be a bit of a sleeper as a guy that. Notre Dame just never really got involved in their passing game, but he is really kind of an athletic freak of an H-back. And considering the way the Giants struggle to cover tight ends, H-backs, those t- that type of player over the middle, that I think could be a, an area where the where Joe Brady tries to exploit the Giants. Now, there isn't a doubt in my mind that Brady has been diving into the tape of especially the last two weeks with the Cowboys and then the Rams to see maybe if not, you know, he can't replicate what CD lamb or Cooper cup are able to do, but he can at least look at the schemes and how Patrick Graham responded to those schemes and how Kellen Moore and Sean McVay really exploited what the giants want to do on defense. Yeah, man. Dude, Robbie Anderson, it's been insane. And last week, just alone with that Panthers offense, they had eight drop passes. I think Anderson had three. I think DJ Moore, who I believe is a – he could be in the conversation for a top 12, maybe even a top 10 conversation wide receiver in the league. I think he has that type of potential, that type of playmaking ability. We haven't really necessarily seen it result in production quite yet. But 
he dropped like three passes last week too, man. And then I think a couple other players dropped three passes. And just to touch on your point about Tommy Tremble, I agree. Now, rookie tight ends typically aren't overly productive in their rookie seasons just because they're learning the nuances of playing that position. And remember, the Panthers had Dan Arnold, and they felt comfortable enough to trade Dan Arnold to the Jags to get C.J. Henderson from them. That was an excellent deal by the Carolina Panthers. But as long as it's Tommy Tremble defeating the Giants – through the receiving and not Ian Thomas because Ian Thomas is a straight blocker, bro. Like a 265 pound dude. And if Ian yeah. Thomas is out here catching touchdowns against the giants, man. It's just, it's, it's going to remind me of the Wani Unga years of the New York giants, but they just couldn't cover <laughs> anybody, any tight end at all. Like I could have strapped my pads out there, got out there and I would have maybe possibly caught a tight end. And I'm not necessarily all that big or athletic. <laughs> <laughs> Right, knowing the Giants' luck and and the way that they've been playing lately, a guy like Ian Thomas could just randomly show up and have uh have a couple touchdowns or, or have like a couple big gains to give him a productive day. But I think Tremble's an interesting player to throw into the mix. If we're pinpointing who is likely going to be the biggest threat in this game, I think DJ Moore has to be discussed. Nick, you you mentioned the fact that he is close to the conversation of being a top 10 receiver. And right now he has that production to back it up. Now there's some of those drops that are obviously major headaches for a team that's trying to put together some more offensive consistency, but DJ Moore has had a really good year so far. And if anybody's going to be a, a problem for this giants defense, it's going to be DJ Moore. Do you guys think though, that if, if that's a matchup between him and Bradbury, that it won't be as much of a problem or is he a guy that could maybe win in that situation I think Moore could win in that situation but I think Bradbury can too I think it will be similar to the matchup between Terry McLaurin and James Bradbury and Bradbury gets a lot of crap for that he gave up the touchdown that was more positioning to me than anything else I'm, I'm not 100% certain I'm sure that's more of a scheme thing than, than just James Bradbury judging the alignment he wants to use against Terry McLaurin but in that game to be fair to Bradbury he had plenty of reps where he shut Terry McLaurin down or Terry McLaurin put a sick route on him and he was able to cover them it's just you know sometimes when you're against another top athlete on an opposing team they're going to get you sometimes and you're going to get them and I think that's kind of the trade-off it's definitely not something where I think Bradbury would get dominated but it's definitely not something where I think Bradbury could dominate him either yeah, I think that's kind of the way it's going to go. They will have a good battle, and it really could come down to just uh, the positions Joe Brady puts DJ Moore into. Uh, if he uses scheme to get separation, if they're able to, you know, maybe if Robbie Anderson isn't uh, being thrown the ball because that doesn't seem to be a high percentage play right now, they use him to kind of scrape off Bradbury or Dory Jackson in coverage, you know, using rubber outs, putting putting them in conflict. And that I think could be when you see DJ Moore get put into positions to run after the catch and use his ability with the ball in his hands to pick up yardage. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So shifting our focus defensively now to a, a team that 
through those first three weeks was was considered to be one of the best defenses uh, in the NFL for 2021. They've, they've had a little bit of a rough patch in some of these other games, but th- they have the talent. And on a, a Matt Rule coach team, it makes sense that they are pretty stout defensively. They've got a lot of playmakers, but the one that, that comes into play here now this week, apparently, is Stefan Gilmore, the former defensive player of the year with the New England Patriots, deals with some contract stuff, some injury stuff. He gets traded to the Panthers, has not stepped on the field yet, and this is supposedly going to be the week that he does step on the field. Of course, the Giants luck. So Gilmore in this situation, I think, really boosts their secondary that was already really good. They've got Jeremy Chin. J.C. Horn was having a good start to his rookie season, but the, the foot injury really kills that that start to the year. Uh, and then in addition to that, they just traded for C.J. Henderson, who is a talented corner. So this secondary is very well built, and it is not going to be easy to complete passes against. Yeah, man, I think... Uh, no, not at all. Stefan Gilmore, he'll probably shadow Kenny... Go- Wait, no. Maybe Kadarius... T- no, not him. Darius Slayton? <laughs> no, no, he's out. Maybe he'll put him on Saquon. Uh, Colin, no, no. <laughs> Colin Johnson? Yeah, we're going to Current state right now, guys, with the giant skill position players, it, it, it's sad. But that's secondary. That defense in general, Chris, and I know you – I broke down the offense on Big Blue View. You did the defense. And I really want to get your opinion on Phil Snow because the way he's employing this, this personnel that they upgraded in his first year as a defensive coordinator under Matt Rule. Remember, they were together at Baylor. They spent every draft pick in 2020 – on the defense. And now they brought in Hassan Reddick. They brought in a bunch of key, they, the Rams edge player. I remember him too. He's another player who plays a lot of snaps for uh, this defense. And they have so, such a diverse set of skills there at every level of the defense. And I think they're going to really pose a lot of problems for this Giants makeshift offensive line and receiving core. Yeah, I like Phil Snow. Uh, guys with a Big 12 background, Big 12 defenses in general. And uh, he has been with. Matt Rule, I, I believe he was with him in Temple as well. The Big 12 defenses, they, they get a lot of crap. But it, offense there just has a different mentality. Those schools are looking to score on every single play. You know, those games are track meets because they set out to be track meets. They look to get just stupidly athletic guys into space with the ball in their hand running downfield they are looking to run the score up from the very first snap of the game so that makes it really hard for these defenses to keep up and especially the way college offenses use uh spacing which is a thing you talked a lot about with sean mcveigh's offense how you know you go tight to throw you go wide to run uh use smaller personnel packages to manipulate the defense. You know, all of that really got to start in college. And that has basically been what Phil Snow has been cutting his teeth on. So he actually has an advantage coming into the NFL. And the Panthers' defensive personnel is quietly really good. You know, they have, and this is a thing I know Giants fans don't want to hear, they have the best pass rush win rate in the NFL right now. Oof. And Hassan Reddick, who I'm sure Giants fans remember from the Arizona game last year, he is one of the top 10 pass rushing edge players in the NFL right now. And while Brian Burns, their other edge, he is, he is coming into his own, you know, six foot five, 250 pounder. He can play two point stance, three point stance. He doesn't have the sack production that Reddick has, you know, three sacks to six and a half, 
but he actually has more total pressures than Reddick has. And yeah, this is just a really athletic, aggressive defense. Yeah. Shaq Thompson, still a really athletic linebacker. They've got Jeremy Chin, who I've seen play everything from free safety to edge. Yeah, they use him all over. And he can do pretty much all of it. And then you know, talk about at corner, they talk about Stefan Gilmore, but you know, they have AJ Boye, who is playing basically the best football he has in the last four years, and Donta Jackson you know, fourth year player out of LSU. He's only allowing a little over 50% completion and, you know, a passer rating of 74, which that's some pretty good coverage. And, oh, by the way, Carolina also loves to blitz. <laughs> They've got the second yes. highest blitz rate in the NFL right now and the fourth highest pressure rate. And they like to blitz out of cover one and cover zero defenses. So, they are aggressive. They like man coverage, which plays really well to Stephen Gilmore. And they love to get after the quarterback. So considering the state of the Giants offensive line and just the way we saw everything collapse last week, yeah, this could be a really not great matchup. Absolutely, man. And you brought up basically all of the, the key cogs to this defense. And this just speaks to the overall nature of this defense. Didn't touch on Daquan Jones, who's having a career year right now. We didn't touch on Derek Brown, who was a top 10 pick on the defensive line for them. And we didn't touch on Morgan Fox, the guy they brought over from the Rams, who's playing significant snaps for them in a hybrid type of role. We didn't touch on Utero Gross Matos, who isn't playing the, the role that a lot of us expected, but that's just a bit player for them. They have Yutigros Matos as a bit player for them. I mean, <laughs> that's how deep this team is right now. I'm not looking forward to a matchup with Nate Solder and Hassan Reddick. And then you got Brian Burns on the other side against Matt Pair. Brian Burns is one of the speediest, bendiest type of edge rushers in the National Football League. And Matt Pair can't protect his outside shoulder. That's going to be a, a, a oh, it, it's going to be a terrible matchup. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I think what also you, you consider that too, that, this whole line has become makeshift. Uh, I, the only returning guy that I can think of is Will Hernandez. It's all guys that it's basically a practice squad that they have going out there. I wouldn't be surprised if they find a way to get Isaiah Wilson onto the field <laughs> at this at this rate. But you're, you're mentioning these problems on the edge going against two guys that are already very highly productive. But de- the thing that scares me, I think, the most in this game is, is Derek Brown, who has been who is a monster of a defensive tackle. The guy is massive. Uh, when he was coming out of Auburn, I, I was really excited by how strong he is and how hard he is to uh, to really hold down. He's a guy that if you're having trouble on the edge, you can't really get any help on him. It might be one-on-one situations between him and Billy Price or him and one of the guards. He's a guy that if 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 everybody's uh, big on big, it, it could be a really really rough day for 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 trying to throw the football for Daniel Jones. Yes, Billy Price, yes. Derek Brown. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing we, like Nick said, I, I didn't touch on, and that's how the Panthers have constructed their interior defensive line. You know, Derek Brown, Daquan Jones, two, you know, Brown is just impossible to move off the line of scrimmage. That dude is so strong, has such a great anchor. And then, like like you said, Nick, Daquan Jones is having a really, really good season, at least by his standards. You know, it's not Aaron Donald, but that's not who they need him to be. You know, even at their second string, Davion Nixon and Bravion Roy, you know, both of those guys 
they have a they have a habit of flashing, even though they don't get a ton of snaps. And the Panthers have these two hyper athletic edge guys. Not to mention Jeremy Chin and Shaq Thompson, who they can blitz if they want to, and they tend to want to. But then they've got these big, stout defensive tackles, guys who kind of command double teams and then can hold up the double teams. So that creates even more matchups for the guys on the edge. I know, man. And even their their situational players, like Frankie Louvu, who they signed from the Jets last year, are playing a really nice role. They're special teams guys, but they come in on the defense and they end up executing their assignments well. It just seems like they're a really well-coached, very aggressive type of team, which is good for modern NFL. But when you're overly aggressive, that leaves you liable if the offense calls the right plays at the right times, mainly screens, quick hitters and you put a guy like John Ross or a receiver like that, Sterling Shepard even, in a situation where he has to beat one dude. And if he beats that one dude and makes that one dude miss, it would have been optimal for Kadarius Tony to be honest, but they make that one dude miss, could be a huge play. So the Giants are probably going to look to work their screen game here. And they also do they have AJ Boye as well, who's a one of the better slot defenders right now in the NFL. Used to be a really, really good boundary cornerback. And I think CJ Henderson is dealing with an injury. I know Shaq Thompson didn't play uh, last week, he could be, I think, it, I'm not 100% certain what the injury was, but he didn't play last week either. So we had to monitor to see if those guys are going to end up playing. And if they're on the field, that's going to make it even even worse. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But I think that is the hope for the Giants, that they can get their guys to win these one-on-one matchups, where you know, that is the kind of weakness of a cover zero, cover one, you know, super super aggressive defense, where if you can win the one-on-one matchup, there's maybe one guy between you and the end zone. And those do present opportunities for the offense. The trick is getting this depleted skill position core, wide receiver core, to win those matchups. Because right now, the only guy I am really confident in winning his matchup is Sterling Shepard. And if the Panthers know that the passing offense is going to flow through Sterling Shepard, they can account for that. And then there's also the matter of keeping this pass rush off of Daniel Jones long enough for whoever the intended receiver is or for if the Giants are trying to scheme uh, separation or set up the screen game or maybe play some RPO games, something like that. Keep the pass rush off of Daniel Jones long enough for him to get the ball out safely. I would expect a lot of six-man protection packages, whether that be Kyle Rudolph, Evan Ingram, or Devontae Booker to stay in to try to keep Daniel Jones upright. But speaking of Evan Ingram, before we before we go, I mean, this guy has a golden opportunity to to make a statement, and it's been like this for several weeks with all the injuries the Giants are dealing with, and it was the same thing last year. A golden opportunity to see so many targets, more targets than what we originally envisioned. And it just doesn't seem like the Giants are, are the Giants and him are taking advantage of that opportunity. Do you think he's going to be a big focal point of this game plan? Because it seems like the Giants coaching staff in the past, last year, when all those injuries hit the Giants, they really wanted to get Evan Ingram involved early and often. Now, I think there's a really good debate there that maybe that was a net negative type of strategy. I don't think overall it, it, it is on, on a on a down-to-down, game-to-game basis. But what do you think the Giants and Jason Garrett are going to do with Evan Ingram in this game? Um, I think they should be looking to get Ingram involved, maybe make him a focus or you know, maybe uh, 
co-focus along with Sterling Shepard. I'm just not sure the Giants trust Evan Ingram. Yeah, you know, he's looked pretty good when they tried to get him the ball the last two games, but you know, if that trust is just not there, and if the trust between Ingram and Daniel Jones isn't there, and the two of them have, you know, they have kind of consistently had issues hooking up where I, I don't know if it's communication issues or, you know, for whatever reason, Jones does have a habit of staring Ingram down. And that does kind of tend to lead the defenses toward him, which again, that has bad results or, yeah, you know, or just what it is, or maybe it is just in the DNA of Jason Garrett and, the Giants, the type of football they want to play where Ingram just doesn't fit. You know, they really want that, you know, what they signed Kyle Rudolph to be, that Jason Witten type, you know, a little bit more old school style tight end. Yeah, I'm not quite sure what the reason is, but it, it really just doesn't seem to work out when they go to Ingram. And now they've just kind of seen gun shy to do it. So I think that's all a really great way to put into perspective what to expect from this game. It's going to be a game where defensively the Giants could be in a position to, to have a, a bounce back performance after a sloppy one against the Rams. But at the same time, they are going to have their hands full battling against this Carolina Panthers defense that is deep at all levels of their defense. Folks, thanks for tuning in. Be sure to hit the subscribe button and we'll talk to you soon.